0: Corinthians, right two corinthians three
2: seven victory in the name which is above every
1: name. there's no exception for rape or incest uh, it's an extreme <laughs> and... right now
0: bones ligaments tendons in jesus name get out here right now <laughs>
1: so- Who claims they heal without a shred of medical evidence They in the public side Look warmer than kitchens On live television Saying mornings are Christians I'm not throwing stones I'm simply shouting the truth So if you never knew Now you're without an excuse If you still want to play with them heaven and you know you
0: ain't got no in your life hey what's going on everybody welcome back to the master's dog episode 63 i am your host the evangelical norm so we're gonna jump right in last week we uh responded to the saints unscripted faith and beliefs uh they were talking about the book of abraham which i'm still shocked I am, I really am, I'm amazed that they keep trying to defend this indefensible piece of evidence that just shows that the Mormon church is false. I mean, really, I mean, it's, (laughs) I'm, I'm speechless with the fact that they would continue to try to do the, you know, apologetic acrobatics that is required, excuse me, to try to, show that this book is still scriptural. So last week, David just kind of breezed over the the papyri and stuff like that. And then then he said today we're going to do another episode dealing specifically with the facsimiles, which is what I uh, pinpointed is the issue with the facsimiles. I mean, if there's no more papyri, we can't compare to what it is. Um, so um, it's kind of, pointless argument i mean it's it's like arguing whether or not epstein killed himself right the video's gone all that other stuff is gone i mean it's 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 word against word so but the facsimiles are here and the facsimiles that were found in the uh new york museum i think it was one at the muse new york museum of history or something uh were actually the very papyri, the very facsimiles that Joseph Smith had, that he touched, that he looked at. And so, to have those and be able to go, this is what he said they are, this is what the Egyptologists say they are, it's pretty cut, uh, cut and dry, right? But, if it were that simple, we wouldn't have a show. So, I'm going to go ahead and... And let David jump in here and do what he does. And, and literally, I mean, seriously, this is this is nothing more than uh, apologetic acrobatics, is, is what I call it. It's It is theology on a trapeze. And he's going to do his best to show us what it is. So here we go. Here's David.
2: Hey guys, in the last episode we talked about the relationship between Joseph Smith's Egyptian papyri and the Latter-day Saint Book of Abraham. As promised in this episode we're going to talk about the facsimiles included in the Book of Abraham. Let's see what we can find out. So there's a lot we could discuss about the facsimiles but let's just jump right into the controversy because why not?
0: Bring it on. All right. So, um, before we just jump into the controversy, we have to remember a couple of things. According to the Pearl of Great Price, at the beginning of the Book of Abraham, it says, and, and my, my Pearl of Great Price has been moved. so, um, But it essentially says at the beginning papyri that fell into our hands that came into our possession joseph smith is talking about the papyri and mummies that came into their possession through this guy that was traveling around that had this stuff the book of abraham he said it was the writings of abraham's that were written by his own hand okay this is key because if the papyri were insinuated to be written by his own hand by abraham's own hand then it would bear logically bear bear truth that the facsimiles were drawn by Abraham's own hand if all this stuff was supposed to be Abraham's writings it would make sense that the facsimiles were drawn by Abraham as well would it not it it doesn't differentiate and and again according to Joseph Smith we'll get into it the the facsimiles were all about Abraham, so it would make sense that they were written by Abraham, they were drawn by Abraham as well. That is a key point to remember when we look at this. So, we're going to let him continue.
2: Interpretations of these Egyptian illustrations match those of modern Egyptologists, and the answer to that is, in general, no, they don't. For example,
0: Should be the end. That literally should be the end of this episode. It should be the end of the LDS church. It should be the end of any credibility that Joseph Smith has in claiming to be a prophet of God. If what he wrote that or he translated these things to mean contradicts what studied and uh, sound Egyptologists say that they mean, then he is not receiving revelation from god and he is not a prophet this is not scripture
2: well joseph said this was about abraham on pharaoh's throne talking to pharaoh's court about astronomy but egyptologists say it's a deceased individual being led to the throne of osiris god of the underworld so how do we reconcile these apparent misinterpretations
1: i don't know
2: Well people generally fall into one of three categories when it comes to the interpretations of the facsimiles. Nothing is inspired, everything is inspired, or some parts are inspired and some are not. The first group believes that since there are discrepancies between what Egyptologists say and what Joseph said, nothing about Joseph's interpretations are inspired. In other words, Joseph made it all up. You
1: calling me a liar? I ain't calling you a truther!
2: Some people present this case as if it's a smoking gun and that anyone who still believes Joseph was a prophet is being willfully ignorant or academically dishonest. You're certainly free to believe that. It's an easy way to shrug off Joseph's prophetic claims. And this theory can't explain the things Joseph got wrong, but it fails to explain the things Joseph actually got right from an Egyptological perspective.
0: Okay. Where else do we use any of this kind of logic in regards to... A prophet of God. Deuteronomy is pretty pretty cut and dry, pretty clear on what it says that the test of a prophet is. If he claims to speak in the name of the Lord and it doesn't come to pass, you shouldn't fear him. He's not a, a true prophet of God. Period. Period. And, and, and again, I mean, what does it matter if, I mean, if I'm working on a car and I'm putting an engine together in a car and I get 98% of the engine... Uh, mechanics and assembly wrong, but I get, and literally David's going to give you two examples of what Joseph got right. And I get 2% of the, uh, the engine mechanics and assembly correct. Is my car going to move? Absolutely not. This is, this is, this is ridiculous logic And, and, but I'm going to let him embarrass himself.
2: For example, putting yourself in Joseph Smith's day when virtually nothing was known about ancient Egyptian, what would be your guess as to what these four figures from facsimile two represent? (music) Joseph said they represented this earth in its four quarters. Modern Egyptologists say that these are the four sons of Horus and one of their roles was to represent the four cardinal directions. Joseph gets this one right.
0: No, he didn't. He literally did not get it right. To say that it represents this earth in its four quarters. Okay, so it's the four sons of Horus and they generally represent no. No. That maybe once in a while they have been, but this is not. This is this is a scraping the bottom of the barrel to try to say, "Well, he got something right." No, he didn't. He got nothing right.
1: Average Jones wins in a shocking upset. I feel shocked.
0: Or take this
2: figure from facsimile 1. What would you imagine this crocodile might represent? Joseph said it was the idolatrous God of Pharaoh. Modern Egyptologists say it's probably the crocodile deity Sobek, who among other things was closely associated with the Pharaoh of Egypt.
0: Closely associated with it, 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 again, you're you're stretching, you're reaching. This is like trying to say that uh, I can't even come up with an example that because this is so weak. Again, it's it's. I mean, Nostradamus got things right. We don't consider him a, a, a well. When you stretch the imagination to say he got some things right, then. But we don't consider him a prophet. I mean, that's like, you know, Miss Cleo getting on the phone and telling me that, um, you know, you have a big decision to make today. And, you know, and then, you know, it comes up to, well, I had to choose between steak and chicken. That was a really big decision. And trying to to plunge that into making the, the prediction accurate. It's simply not. Joseph got none of this right. Oh
2: yeah! Once again, Joseph nails it. Another example.
0: You and I have a different definition of nailed it. Seriously, I mean, if if this is if you can look at this and take that stretch of the imagination to say that Joseph Smith nailed it, again, you belong in a cult that that uses feelings and a burning in the bosom to justify your position there really i mean if you can't look past look at this and recognize this is absolutely wrong i mean come on seriously and then again i i point this out every once in a while and i'm going to point it out again they use these little funny clips to distract you from the fact that he just literally told you, Joseph Smith is a false prophet. Let me show you something funny. To lighten the hit. This is what they do. This is seriously psychological. And they do this. This is, this is what their intention is. is They're going to throw these little funny bits in to try to uh, distract you, essentially, from what was just said. literally. Both of those presentations that Joseph Smith gave were wrong. And now we're going to try and stretch. It's like isogening the text into uh, the Bible. It's like, you know, Joel Osteen trying to take and put himself into Deuteronomy or something to that effect. You know, it's serious. It it is like it's a stretch. It's a serious stretch. And I'm, I'm racking my brain to try to come up with some kind of analogy um to show how ridiculous this is of what joseph smith said and i i i've got nothing because this is so seriously so dumb so we're gonna move on I'm, I'm can't beat the dead horse and if i think of something while we go on it'll come to me and we'll we'll talk about it but
2: examples could be given proponents of theory one have to decide what to do with the stuff joseph gets right and they often attribute it to luck or coincidence, which happens shockingly often for this Joseph Smith guy, but theory one is on the table. For some people though, luck is not an adequate explanation and they adhere to one of the two other theories.
0: Here you go. Let's, because again, I don't attribute any of this to luck or anything. He's simply wrong. And again, coming back to what Joseph, th- his prediction of, of the civil war and that it would pour out onto all nations, it's trying to say that World War One was the expansion of the civil war that joseph smith predicted he said that it started in in, uh, from a rebellion in south carolina and that it would pour out onto all nations and they say well the civil war was here and then the world war one came along and that was and no to try to connect and nobody that joseph got that prophecy well he got some things right south carolina no 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 he got none of it right he got none of it right if it's not and because here is the test of a prophet if it's not all right it's all wrong and it literally is all wrong let's hear his two other theories which are meaningless pointless
2: the second theory is that everything joseph said about these three illustrations is inspired and correct and we're just missing too many pieces of the puzzle to be able to understand how that is.
1: Something here I'm not quite getting Though I try I keep forgetting.
2: So this would assume that Egyptologists are either wrong or barking up the wrong tree altogether. Maybe Joseph was never giving an interpretation of what ancient Egyptians would have thought about these illustrations. Maybe it's how ancient Jews in Egypt would have interpreted them, or maybe they held unique meaning to the priests who had access to these papyri. There are several different theories, but unfortunately none of them can be proven. Yet Theory two is on the table. The third option is that Joseph.
0: No, theory two is not on the table. I mean, the reality is, is theory two is put out there. And this is what many Mormons still believe. But it has to be what you believe, because those are in your scripture. They are they are forever into the pearl of great price and claimed by Mormon teachers, prophets, everybody to be scripture. So it would have to be inspired. If you're going to agree, if you're going to say that you believe the Bible and so on, where it says all Scripture is God-breathed, then this has to be inspired. God-breathed is translated as inspired. So it has to be inspired. So if you claim that Pearl of Great Price is Scripture, then you have to adhere to theory number two. You have no choice. And it's easily proven wrong.
2: Interpretations are partially inspired and partially not.
0: Yeah,
2: 50-50. Latter-day Saints certainly believe that prophets, just like any human, can get things wrong sometimes. Even the introduction to the Book of Mormon itself says, if there are faults, they are the mistakes of men. It's clear that Joseph Smith was very interested academically in these ancient Egyptian artifacts. And as most any person of faith could probably attest to, sometimes it's not always easy to differentiate between your own thoughts and opinions and revelation from the Spirit of God.
0: Then you should not claim to be a prophet, ever. If you can't tell between your own thoughts and what God is inspiring, do you think Jonah couldn't tell the difference between his own thoughts, Moses... Jeremiah, Isaiah, John the Baptist. Is there any example of any of these men going, well, I'm not sure if that's just me or if it's God. They knew when God was speaking to them because they were his prophets. If Joseph is going to claim to be a prophet, if any of your prophets are going to claim to be prophets and say they can't tell the difference between their own feelings and thoughts and God's revelation, they're disqualified
2: completely. That may sometimes have been the case for Joseph Smith as well. This theory could explain how he nails some of these interpretations that he should have been clueless about, and why many of his other interpretations don't match what modern Egyptologists think they should mean.
0: I was way off. I knew it started with an S though.
2: But that begs the question, why would God allow Joseph to get some of this wrong? I don't know, but it could be that these mistakes, if that's what they are, just weren't all that doctrinally significant. Joseph said this guy's name was Shulam, Egyptologists say it's whore. I wouldn't care if it turned out to be Steve. It isn't doctrinally important.
1: Steve.
2: To Latter-day Saints, the text of the Book of Abraham is infinitely more important than the facsimiles. In all reality, we rarely do anything in our faith with the facsimiles. They're fun curiosities, but not super relevant to our beliefs. The believability of the text of the Book of Abraham is much more important, and for more info on that, check out this video from Pearl of Great Price Central. So those are the three theories that people generally adhere to. Pick whichever one you believe is right or none at all, but also try to understand and respect those who adhere to a different theory than you, whether you're a member of our faith or not. Check out the resources and notes in the YouTube description
0: below if you want to dive... All right, so that's it. And that whole thing, respect others who adhere to a different theory, that's just their way of going, don't pick on us. Don't come back at us and tell us we're wrong. Well, I'm sorry, David, but you're wrong. Joseph Smith was a false prophet. All of this stuff, if this is going to be plugged into you, you say that, well, it's not scripturally or theologically or doctrinally important or whatever. Why is it in your scripture? Why? It makes no sense to make this claim. This is simply trying to jump through hoops to not admit that you're wrong. This is called pride. This is the reason, and I've said it for years. This is why the Mormon Church still exists because they are too prideful and probably too rich to admit that they're wrong. I guarantee you, Nelson knows that he's not receiving any revelation from God. Monson knew, Hinckley knew. All of these men are lying deceiving the masses of their church to try to convince them to continue to provide their money and their income and so on. And so here again, I get heated in this because this is literally the thing that, that aggravated me most when I walked away from the church. It wasn't that I was hurt by the church. It wasn't sin or anything else. It was that I realized I was being lied to. And I had to get out. So my LDS friend, if you're watching this, I beg you, get out. Look at this factually and understand that you are being lied to. Know that you are being lied to. And this is a false religion with a false gospel, a false Christ, false scripture, and it cannot offer you salvation. This is literally leading you on that wide path that leads to destruction. And I'm begging you to get off of it. Find the, the the narrow gate that leads to life. My Christian friend, remember to preach the gospel at all times. Use words. They're necessary. Until next week, soli deo gloria. Mm.